Hey everybody, welcome back. Hello. Evan uh, just made full disclosure that he's in an, an intentionally sassy mood and he intends yeah, yeah, to yeah. keep it that right. way. Enough with the pleasantries, what the fuck you want to talk about? Yeah, that's... It's gonna be go. fun and funny. This this is this gets laughs. <laughs> Clock's ticking, dude. This Let's gets go. laughs. Yeah, he's worried because he's got gotta shit go to, do. to sleep. So, I got shit to do. All right. Um. Well, that's a fun bit. Uh. I hope that keeps Not going. Not uh, So what's up, man? How you doing? Not bad. Just hanging out here. Once again, classic left and red situation. Tank top on. A uh, room hot. Air. Very still. How about you? Honestly, it's pretty comfortable here. Um, really? It was a cool day, and mm-hmm. yeah, I ran the. Uh, I have an AC unit in my the room that I record, and I ran it just on the fan for a little while, and it's it's fine. Well, yeah, I haven't put my AC in yet. Yeah, I haven't. I don't have one in my room, and I haven't really needed it. But I in, in this room, one it's... for upstairs, one of those crazy floor ones. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I've I've had those in the past when I lived yeah. in. Uh, in Taunton, down the street from the projects, we had one because there was a, a rash of break-ins, um, oh. and there was a. It was when oh, I was you living. did live in that part of Taunton. Yeah, I lived in the worst part of Taunton, and there <laughs> yeah. was. Um, I was living with an ex-girlfriend at the time, and uh, there was a, a guy who was breaking into houses in our neighborhood, and getting into bed like with women and just like snuggling them, um, the even fuck? whether or not their like significant others were with them. Um, and she was Damn. like, nope, I'm not gonna, that's not happening. So no, uh, window units for us. And so I had to like jerry rig one of those in room and like uh-huh. fit a bunch of dowels into the, it was a whole stupid thing. Yeah. No, this is one of the ones that like you put like a little thing across the bottom of the window and then there's like a tube, like an elephant trunk. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it just like blast the shit out of the fucking place. That's, it was nice, cold yeah, that's exactly air. what, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I have one downstairs, and it, it'll do the whole downstairs, so I'm really interested to see how fucking cold I can make my room, because I, I like it cold. Mm. I like it cold. Yeah. When I sleep, I don't like it hot. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking about that with somebody the other day. I think I'm kind of weird. I don't mind it, like, you know, like, <laughs> it's weird. I was going to say I don't mind it room temperature, but I guess whatever temperature your room is is room temperature. Well, uh, right, but you know what I mean? I think it's like... High 60s, means like sixty-eight, which for for our for our non-American listeners, that'd be about eighteen Celsius. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they know what room temperature is. Mm-hmm. They live in it as well. Yeah, it's the temperature of your room. Usually. All right, ideally. All right. <laughs> Man, um, so, room okay, talk. So, yeah. Yep. So, uh, anything else you wanted to like touch on today? Do you have any any stuff that you've been um, stewing over or yeah what the fuck is up with ezra miller <laughs> oh yeah is he still like rampaging through hawaii yeah they've they've uh they've been doing their their rampage through hawaii but no oh, they, they that's par- right i'm sorry yeah. that, that was insensitive of me i forgot yeah that. yeah i gotta use you know the right terms although i, I don't I, you know maybe i don't know they've apparently kidnapped a child and oh. they were like taunting the police over like instagram dang <laughs> Although they uh, so they've deleted all me. the posts, but I mean, like, this is like, how is this person not like, like they've been arrested like well, like five fucking times in the last like half year? How have yeah. they not just been like kind of locked up at this point, you know? And now they've just uh, fucking uh, I guess kidnapped a child. So are they from what Hawaii? The fuck? What was that? Are they from Hawaii? Do they live there? 
Or is I'm this sure. like a vacation or something? For some reason, in my mind, it was. Oh, like I they, think they're they're. I think they've been filming a movie there, and I just guess moonlighting as like a a freak like a that's raving just beating psychopath? the shit out of people and shit, like and assaults yeah. people. But yeah, they, I they saw the some of the step. arrest footage. Um, yeah, from one of the arrests. I don't know if there have been multiple, but it was pretty pretty sad. Yeah. Oh well, what can you do? Uh, anyway, go and see the DC's uh, The Flash coming soon. Yeah. I guess we're Miller. There you go. I thought they were fine in that. Like, what did, What was the name of the one that we watched? Justice Zack League? Snyder's Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, that was, uh, that was something. Yep. It's just, <laughs> it sure was a thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah we watched that whole long-ass thing. Yep. All right. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep, I'm loving this. I'm loving this persona, this uh, hot Evan persona. Yep, that's good. Um, all right, let's dive into the show then. May as well. Yep, let's do it. So today, uh, we're going to talk about something that I've been personally interested in for a really long time, um, like a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And I think when we were starting this show, we both kind of drew up like a list of topics that we wanted to touch on. And, you know, I still have that initial list. There's like 10 things on it. And That's I realized like, I've, I've only done like a couple of them because um, things have kind oh, of taken shit. I've got like a hundred things on there. Well, I just, like, stopped writing the list. I did, like, a quick oh. list, and then I just come up with shit and do episodes. But, like, off that initial no, list I, I made. I the list. I still, I still, I added to it, I think, this week. Oh, good for you. Um, yeah, I don't do that. But I okay. still have, like, a bunch of these initial topics, and um, this is one of them. So I thought, why not? Um, so, yeah. Um, did you, did you learn about the Aztecs when you were in school? Yeah, we did some show on them to knock it long, you know. Um well, like a Quetzalcoatl. Uh yeah. All that shit, yeah. Cool. Um yeah, I, I definitely remember learning a little bit about Which, them. Quetzalcoatl is the uh, namesake of one of my favorite dinosaurs, the Quetzalcoatlus. Yeah. The largest flying dinosaur. Yeah. Used to tame them shits when we played Ark back in the day. <laughs> that was a fun game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, I definitely also did, but I feel like it was kind of a limited explanation or examination of them. Um, yep. and I think that's sort of true of U.S. schools in general and, and especially public schools. I don't even want to know what they're teaching in like Catholic schools, but, um, I feel like we get like a very limited view of native cultures uh of the americas you know what we do 
spend most of our time on is learning about ourselves, which is like, you know, white European settlers, you know, so we spend a lot of time on George Washington over and over and over again. And I feel like I definitely learned about Native Americans a lot, not so much uh, Central and South American, but definitely North American, you yeah, know, we, we did quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I We did, but it was, it was largely focused on the North American continent, um, like you're saying. Yeah. So... Um, so when we're focusing on North American natives, um, I think that a lot of what we're spending time on is sort of like focusing on the sort of quote unquote like uncivilized nature of, of nomadic and pastoral societies. Um, and, and this part of the, the Americas was sort of dominated by um, those types of cultures um, before the arrival of European colonizers. But I feel like there's sort of this insidious tacit emphasis on that fact um, because it sort of allows people to um, feel comfortable on a certain level with the notion that, you know, when, when we, you know, as like white European folks arrived here, uh, we sort of brought a civilizing influence. And obviously that's less and less in vogue to be completely blunt about that. But I do feel like there's still sort of a bit of that flavor um, in the way that we learn about <coughs> Native and Indigenous cultures. Um, they didn't have... Uh, a lot of these these tribes, especially in North America, didn't have some of the hallmarks that you know a lot of traditional Western historians like to consider um, when they're talking about like great civilizations, i.e., like city building and written language, historical records, complex art and architecture, things like that. Um, and so, I mean, now we all kind of know that that's that's bullshit. Um, those those markers are in no way a, a a denotation that a particular culture is any more vibrant or valuable or whatever to the historical record than any other. Um, also, on top of that, and a lot of people don't know about this, but there there is evidence, archaeological evidence, I'm sure this is more well-known now, of city-building civilizations in North America, like the Mississippian culture, etc., etc. Um, but <clears throat> there is one notable exception that I think finds its way into our textbooks, into our high school or middle school history class a lot, and that's the Aztecs. Um, I mean, as you said, you studied them. I studied them to a certain extent. Um, and they, they sort of stand out. I mean, you might also spend a little time on, like, the Maya and, and the Incas, whatever. But I feel like the Aztecs get the most attention. They, they have this sort of mass appeal in the American, both North and South, uh, zeitgeist, where you look at them as this sort of really intense, uh, really kind of brutal civilization. There's a lot of emphasis placed on, you know, the human sacrifice and the war. And um, so even though they're this like sort of complex city building civilization, it's like, yeah, but, you know, they were these like bloody, you know, quote unquote savages. And so even then, you know, the civilizing influence of, of Westerners and Europeans arriving is, is able to be considered as sort of a net positive. Um, <clears throat> and again, I think that's kind of bullshit. So the whole point of the episode this week, and this is going to be the first part of a three-part series that I want to do, is going to be to sort of discuss the rise of quote-unquote Aztec culture um, in the Americas, uh, where these people came from, what their society sort of looked like. Now, obviously, this is going to be in broad strokes because, you know, with a lot of our topics, you could just go on and on and on. But um, to give sort of a basic idea of, of that side of the story, um, part two, we're going to kind of jump across the, the planet a little bit and talk about uh, Spain and then into the Caribbean and sort of talk about the whole phenomenon of the conquistadors. Um, you probably can kind of see where that's going. And then part three, we'll sort of discuss where those two worlds meet, um, which is 
one of the more interesting uh, and kind of tragic stories in the history of the Americas, uh, of Western colonization and the when sort the of... beautiful Iberian culture was brought to the Yeah, I, I'm definitely not going to frame it that way because um, yeah. they were pretty dirty, evil people. But the, the, there is, you know, um, a story the to be told of there. of the Iberian lifestyle. Hmm. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I mean, without further ado, uh, I guess let's sort of dive in. Um, so the first thing that I want to kind of talk about today, um, and I, I, you, you might notice that I said, quote unquote, Aztecs, um, and that's the name of this first segment, um, because there's a, a little more nuance to naming the sort of peoples that we're talking about today. Um, and Aztecs is a really useful catch-all, and, and I will sort of shift into using that. Uh, but for the first part of our story, we're going to kind of examine the different peoples that made up what we now think of as, you know, the Aztec Empire, which wouldn't really have been how they thought of themselves, like with a lot of the people we talk about, even when we talk about Rome, you know what I mean? They didn't really have this clear idea of them at the time, uh, themselves at the time as like an empire. Um, Neither would the Aztecs have, but uh, we're able to kind of categorize them that way. And so I will end up using that term eventually um, and definitely in part three. Um, But the first part of of today's episode is going to be kind of devoted to, yeah, just like figuring out who these people were. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say maybe a lot of that comes from, like, obviously we think of ourselves as being, you know, segregated into, you know, nation states and whatnot, but that's really a modern thing. So when you talk about, like, I guess the Aztec Empire or even something like the Roman Empire, you're, you're kind of uh, taking your, like, conception of reality and sort of placing it into the past right. when it really doesn't belong there. Right, which can be useful uh, mm-hmm. for things like what we're doing here, like when we're just yeah. trying to convey like <laughs> a lot of information in an hour, hour and 15. Um, yeah. But, you know, for historians, it can be kind of problematic. And so it's it's funny, like you look at this whole thing and you realize how much, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's forgivable when it's you and me. I feel like when you're like a professional historian oh, yeah. publishing a book, like, you know, you got to kind of be a little more nuanced. And luckily people are starting to, but... For a yeah. long time, that yeah, wasn't I mean, the case. Yeah, it's like the fall of the Western Roman Empire, you know, in 476. Right. Uh, and 477 ain't much fucking different for the, the average person in the West. Right. They, by and large, still uh, you know, thought of themselves as, I guess, Roman in a certain sense, you know what I mean? That's why, you know, a few hundred years later, you can have somebody come in and, you know, basically call themselves the emperor of the Romans again, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like not much changed, like a lot of the, the actual systems of governance... We're just taken over by different, uh, under new management. Sure. Yeah, and this this is an interesting example, too, when we talk about a lot of these Mesoamerican uh, civilizations, like the Incas, the Maya, um, the Aztecs, because 
you know, obviously they're happening completely independently of influence from European civilization, things like the Roman Empire. They have no knowledge of that, right? And so a lot of these systems are similar, but a lot of them are so completely different. Um, but also it's just like a totally different stage of civilizational development. It's It appears to be much earlier. I mean, the Aztec Empire, as, as complex as it was, we're still basically operating with Stone Age technology. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's just a completely unique thing um but there are a lot of similarities and we can kind of talk about some of those as yeah. we dive a little further in yeah they're still gonna work from the same basic framework that the aliens gave to them like they gave right pyramids. Europe, you know what i mean it's why there are pyramids yeah it's the only the only why else would there be pyramids yeah yeah you can see like ufos and motorcycles and shit in a lot of their yeah yeah art. yeah dude fucking, yeah hell yeah. yeah dude yeah quetzalcoatl yeah, was actually an umbilicus that was lowered from a a, a ufo Fuck yeah, um, <clears throat> fuck yeah <he> was. <laughs> um, well, so anyway, when people think of the Aztecs, right, when I say that that word, there's probably like a few kind of stock images that pop into your head. And I think for anyone that's had even a basic amount of exposure, um, my guess would be that sort of uh, what you're thinking of are uh, brutal warfare, uh, kind of primitive cities, uh, if yeah. that. I don't even know a lot if a lot of people realize they built these kind of amazing cities i feel uh, like he, uh what's uh i can't i can't remember the name right now but that city that was like basically that mexico cities built on top of that's the city we're like, going to talk about today yeah yeah that's, okay yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay i feel like a lot well, of people know there's that a spoiler <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah okay. <laughs> um yeah and it was way cooler back then uh, than it yeah is yeah now. Um, in the middle of a huge lake y- yep that's the episode so uh anyway um Cool. And the big right, thing nice. that people we can are, wrap it up done early. There we go, yeah. Evan. Hey, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Evan Evan already knows this, so now you know. Hell yeah, dude. He can be proud nice of him. Nice try, dude. Can't try to get one over on me. Yeah, fucking loser. Um, the big thing that people tend to think of is human sacrifice. I feel like that's yeah. like the Fuck thing yeah, that gets know, the most, and and that's uh common with the Mayas, especially. You know, if you've ever seen that Mel Gibson flick, like that's like half the movie is. Uh, I actually haven't seen it. You know what? Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm sure there's been plenty of criticism of it. Um, but a lot of it was pretty cool. I remember when I was young, I thought it was a pretty neat movie. Now, obviously, there's this sort of overarching narrative that, like, oh, it's their fault. Their civilization was in decline. And that's, like, that's tough. That's a tough sell. But a lot of the imagery and the fact that it was, you know, in, in real, like, quiche and, like, real Mayan languages and stuff, that was pretty neat. I like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> To a certain extent, yeah, a lot of these things that we it, talked yeah. about, like warfare, human sacrifice, all that stuff, uh, elements of those are rooted in reality, right? Um, all that stuff is 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 true to a certain extent, but the f- the full extent of the truth is much more nuanced and kind of complex and fascinating. Um, so again, to start with the name Aztec, it's a bit misleading. Um, so the regional power that that English speakers generally refer to as you know the Aztec Empire was actually comprised of. Um, the root of it was this really interesting asymmetrical triple alliance between these three um, really powerful city-states. And it came to dominate this sort of middle portion of Mesoamerica, or what we would now call Mexico, um, between the really the 14th and the 16th centuries. Um, but the Aztecs themselves would be mainly 15th to 16th centuries. Um, so the three cities were uh, Texcoco, um, which was uh, ruled by the Acolhua people, um, a lot of these city-states were sort of the home city of a specific tribe of a, of a related big group of people, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the next city was Tlacopan, 
which is the seat of power of the Tepanek people. Um, and then dominating uh, the other t- these other two like completely in terms of power and wealth and prestige was Tenochtitlan, um, which was the city-state home of the Mexica people. Um, so if Mexica sounds familiar, there's there's a whole country named after them. Oh yeah, um, dude. spelled all like Mexica. Yeah, dude, all these neuron pathways that have been in disrepair, disuse, starting to all the connections getting made again. The Tetsuko, yeah. Tlacopan, hell yeah, dude. There you go. Fuck yeah. Um, so all of these different people spoke the Nahuatl language. Um, I'm not a native speaker of that, but I did spend a little time like <laughs> listening to the way things were pronounced. Uh, the TL there is like sort of a back of the throat sound. Like I want to say Nahuatl, but it's not. It's like Nahuatl. It's it's a weird, but I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best because I, I fucking love this. And I think it's a really cool sounding and really beautiful language. So I'm going to do my best. So I hope I don't offend anybody. Um, so all these people were, were Nahuatl speaking people and they originated in... Um, further north in modern Mexico uh, than where they ended up. Um, and in fact, uh, the language family that Nahuatl comes from, the, the Uto-Aztecan language family, is uh, shared by a ton of Western tribes in the uh, United States. So like the, the most famous one being the, the, I think it's Ute or Ute, U-T-E. Um, that's where the Uto and Uto-Aztecan comes from. Um, they're all speaking related languages. So this is actually a language family from further north, like northern Mexico, Texas, New Mexico, and these people kind of eventually migrated south. Um, <clears throat> the ancient history of the Nahua peoples is difficult to parse. Um, much of the written record of them, there was an initial purge that occurred under the reign of the Aztecs because they didn't want people to realize their full history. But then later... You know, um, those beautiful Iberians Evan was talking about came and just like burned oh, everything because yeah, it was pagan and satanic. And yeah. so a lot of the written records that they kept, which they did keep, um, are lost. Uh, but we do know that at some point um, in the centuries sort of preceding the 15th, uh, they migrated south into central Mexico. Um, the Perhaps the most legendary reason for this involves uh, uh, drought and famine, and, and they had this sort of a vision of a pristine valley with plenty of fresh water. And that ended up being what we now refer to as the valley or the basin of Mexico, um, which is this sort of fertile basin. It was really fertile at the time. Um, it's where Mexico City is now, as Evan said. Um, and obviously there's no longer lakes there, but back then it was basically one big lake and surrounded mm. by this really fertile valley where people grew corn and all sorts of stuff. Um, <clears throat> and so there's just, little, like I said, it's just big, little axolotls in the water. I don't think they're there. I don't think yes, that's they where are. they are. In in Lake Texcoco? It's a, well, back then it was a saltwater lake, so I don't think there were axolotls. Uh, they're, they're up in the lakes that around like Mexico City. Sure. And actually what they are, they are uh, adult um they they haven't gone through metamorphosis yep. they they're like uh like uh, amphibians and it's yeah, because, they're, they're i think it's like the pH of the water or something like that yeah you can get them to people in captivity have yeah. gotten them to metamorphose but they usually die they're actually like yeah. not they're not suited to it um cool it stresses them out and they they usually die but yeah um so they're from freshwater they live in like the rivers they might be around there now but they probably weren't at the time they're from a single lake yeah well this was a saltwater lake Okay, well, um, I'm not saying that one, but I'm saying well, no, you were. single lake. You were. There. you were. I didn't even know you were talking about Tatsukoko, bro. I'm just saying they're up around that area. So the... Um, Fucking Stugats, bro. <laughs> All right, man. All right, if you want this to just be the Axolotl episode, we could just do it on Axolotl. I, I would be so fucking down with an Axolotl episode. Those things are cool as shit, bro. Do one. Write one. 
Okay. Fuck. Yeah, fuck yeah. you, I will. I, I wouldn't be mad. Write one. You're so fucking mad right now, bro. Yeah, I know. I can't help myself. I'm seething. Um, <laughs> Coping and seething. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so there's this big, it's really, they, it's five, they call it five lakes. It's it's really one big lake system. Um, but the names of the five lakes from north to south, uh, we have Zumpango, Chaltocan, uh, Texcoco, uh, Xochimilco, and Chalco. Those are the five lakes. Texcoco is right in the middle. It's the biggest sort of nodule of this lake system. Um, and so the Nahua peoples are coming down. The different tribal groups are coming down in, in, in sort of waves. And they quickly establish various enclaves and city-states around the lake. Uh, they're mingling with existing populations. Um, and they're also rubbing up against the sort of remnants of the, the dwindling Toltec civilization, which had been the dominant cultural group that sort of dominated this region all the way down to Yucatan. Um, but by this point, we're talking about like the mid 13th century, um, they're kind of in decline. So the peoples are still there, but the, the, like the centralized power is kind of gone. Um, so in fact, many of the, these Nahua tribes are settling in either abandoned or sort of sparsely populated former Toltec settlements. So a lot of the cities are kind of partially built or, or completely built and they're just sort of re-inhabiting them. Um, and so these different settlements in Nahua were called Altepetl. And um, they would have been ruled by a hereditary Tlatoani, or a speaker, um, which you can also sort of interchangeably call like a king. I feel like some people would say like chief, but I feel like chief doesn't really capture it because these became very grand, very hereditary, very royal lineages. Um, and they, they were sort of, you know, absolutely powerful in their, in their uh, constituencies. Mm-hmm. Um, Nahuan culture, I'm going to do a bunch of little asides here. Nahuan culture uh, is, is heavily stratified um, into three basic classes. So there's the commoners, or the Makehualchen, uh, the nobles, or the Pipilchen, and the royals, who are the, the Tlatoani, who are just above everybody. Um, commoners, but the, the, there is a movement between the other social strata. Um, commoners could become nobles pretty much exclusively through outstanding service in the city, which is military service. Um, so that's taking captives, that's doing brave shit in front of people where they can see it. And if you do enough of that, then you move up and uh, you live in the city proper. Um, everyone else kind of lives. Yeah. Everyone else will kind of live uh, like experience points on the same island, but they're not in the city proper. The city proper is really concentrated. Um, well, that's when we talk about Tenochtitlan. Um, <clears throat> Also, uh, most Nahuan peoples share a, a fairly similar pantheon of deities. Um, they're all polytheistic, and there's a lot of common gods that they all share. Um, so Quetzalcoatl, which Evan ent- mentioned earlier, the rainbow serpent, um, he's kind of like ambiguous. It's tough to kind of nail down exactly like what his deal was, but he, he was, was just cool as shit. Yeah, he was just cool as shit, basically. <laughs> um, but there are also like lots of other gods that are slightly more specific, uh, like Tlaloc, who is the rain god. He's huge because. They live in Mexico, which is hot, and they like to grow crops, which require water. And so if there's not enough rain, people start to freak out pretty quick. Um, so these are some of the more important gods that you know most of the Nahuatl-speaking people would have, <laughs> have worshipped. Um, but local city-states um, would generally also have had their own kind of patron deities. You see this a lot across cultures, across history. Um, yeah. This was really big, like in the earliest civilizations, in the Mesopotamia, right? Like... They would share some gods in common, but then they would conquer each other and, like, steal their gods. And, yeah. You know, it was... The Aztecs were very much like that. Um, so, of, of all the Nahua people uh, that migrated to the south, um, the Mexica were said to have been the very last to make the journey. 
so around 1250 CE. Um, and thus, all the good spots are already taken. Mm, yep. So they appeal to the ruler of one of these cities, uh, Kulhuacan, which is a former Toltec city. There's still a lot of Toltecs there, but it's been sort of taken over by, by Nahuatl-speaking oh, people. Kulhuacan. Kulhuacan, yeah. Yeah, Kulhuacan. Um, and so they're allowed to settle what was at the time some pretty lousy land, basically adjacent to Kulhuacan called Chapultepec, which is still a place, um, on the condition that they serve the lords of this city as mercenaries in battle. Um, and so they do that. And they start growing corn, whatever. They live there for not quite 100 years. Uh, and in return, it's said that the Tlatuani of, of Kulhuacan gave the Mexica uh, one of his daughters to serve as their queen. Uh, however, <laughs> this is where shit starts to get pretty metal. Uh, according to Mexica legend, um, oh, yeah, their dude. god, Hipe Totec, the flayed oh, one, uh, who is like their god of the cycle of birth and death and rebirth and also like silversmithing and crops and a lot of their gods are gods of all sorts of shit um, wasn't uh jp totec the the flayed god wasn't he um a few years ago uh i, I can't remember how many maybe like two three four years ago something like that they like unearthed like a new tomb of him this tomb of the flayed god maybe yeah i didn't Fair i didn't so, read yeah, about let that me, but let me check that real quick yeah see if you can find it i mean do you want me to wait to no 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 keep going um <clears throat> so anyway jp totec they receive a vision and he says, nah, man, she's not supposed to be your queen. You should skin her alive as tribute to me. Yes. So they did. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this was uh, 2019, I think, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, Temple to the Flayed Lord in Mexico. Yeah, they, like, unearthed a new one. Ah. Yep, yeah, that's cool. Totec, yes. You should send me yeah, that. Yeah, dude, the fucking, yeah, the, uh, like, all the, the the pieces that they unearthed in it are, like, fucking crazy as shit looking. Yeah. Like, it definitely, that definitely looks like a motherfucker that's flaying people. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's he's awesome. a crazy looking son of a bitch, dude. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, send it to me. I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want me to send it over the chat? Yeah, send it over the chat. We'll look at it right now. Yeah. Okay. So I looked at my phone. Got to do it on my computer now. Yeah, here we go. Look at this fucking shit, dude. This fucking rules. Let me see here. Oh, it's just a link. I can't, uh... Yeah, okay, yeah. go with the chat. Oh, cool. Yeah! yeah he <laughs> always looks wicked So, like... He, yeah, it's like a skeleton. He's got no skin. That's his whole thing. He's red. Yeah, he's got yeah, his eyes um, bulging out. Yeah, he's like he's got this big gnarly grin. Mm -hmm. Like he's having a good ass time flaying some <laughs> folks. Um, yeah, they would like keep the skins there. There's also just there's so much cool shit that like I just like we have twelve pages of notes here and there's so much cool shit I didn't get to talk about. But yeah, a lot of like the stuff around like two weeks sacrifice in a row gonna name drop Roose Bolton, the the flayed god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, that's true. I was thinking of that, too, when I was reading it, The Flayed Man of Bolton. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they would skin people alive to this guy and keep the skins and, like, drape them over statues and shit. They they, they were gruesome. <laughs> uh, Excuse me. And I don't want to focus on that in this episode because, I, like I said at the top, like, I'm you trying to kind of... to say that they're not, like, quite Well, like no, I'm not even trying to say that they're not like that. I just wanted to yeah. discuss some of the more nuanced stuff. And, like, everybody dwells on the, the human sacrifice. But, like, they did that shit. 
Yeah, like, they, were, they were they were they, some folks up. Yeah, they. <laughs> I'm not gonna like pretend that they didn't do the shit out of human sacrifice because they did. Like they were yeah, fucking they wild. Shit, dude. It was just a different. It's just. I guess I'm just trying to illustrate like how nuanced their culture was and the fact that it was. It's just so alien and different from yeah. our own. You know, but wasn't it like um, um they were like doing so much human sacrifice that the water below like where they were doing it would actually like become like soapy. Uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't hear anything specifically about that, or if I have, it wasn't like yeah. part of my research for this. But yeah, I can from, only like, imagine the fat from the people like making it into the water. Yeah, yeah. I well, I know that they were able to. Well, we'll get to that. But they were able to keep the water really clean, um, and a lot of that had to do with agriculture and no. uh, aquaculture. They would like farm fish, and they would mm-hmm. also farm on the water. But we'll get to that in a minute. And I'm su- I'm assuming that had something to do with cle- keeping the water clean. Um, <clears throat> so they, they skin the daughter of, of the, the king of Kulhuacan alive, uh, as tribute to, to Hipe Totec, um, which is sort of like looking a gift horse in the mouth. Cause he had just basically given them land. They were like, we have no land. And he was like, cool. You can live here as long as you fight for me and let my daughter be your queen. And they were like, cool. And then they just killed her. Um, and so obviously he's upset. So he gets all his, his soldiers together and, and chases them away. Um, and it's said at this point, you know, they're kind of on the run and, uh, they receive a premonition that their new home is going to be um, at the site where they see an eagle perched on a nopal cactus devouring a snake, and that once they settle there, they're going to flourish. Um, and so they happen to see that uh, on this sort of smallish island in the middle of Lake Texcoco, uh, where in the year 1325, the city of Tenochtitlan was founded. Now, if you've seen the Mexican flag, you will see an eagle on a cactus eating a snake. That is still nope. the symbol of the country. Um, Cool-ass flag. Yeah, it's a great flag. It's one of it's a I would say flag. one of the best flags. Uh, I love the yeah, flags that have a lot of, on a them. lot of people like to do the stupid bars thing. All there are bars. No, yeah. Mex- Mexicans doing it right, dude. They have bars, but they also have badass yeah, pictures. But they like, have cool it, shit why not? too. Like Haiti has a rooster on it. That's pretty cool. Um, Bhutan is good. They've got a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. No, was it Angola's is really oh, cool. Oh, with the the machete and the gear. Yeah. It's like, like their the version of the hammer and sickle. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty fucking cool. good ass flag. <laughs> it's a great flag. <laughs> um, honestly, you know what? The flag of Saudi Arabia is a fucking good flag. Yeah, it's a good with one. The, with the, the Arabic and the, the sword. Like, that's yep. sweet. Um, anyhow, um, <laughs> our flag kind of sucks. I mean, actually, ours is a little busier than most. I would put it's ours, okay. like, solidly yeah. mid-tier. Like, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's those C-tier. European countries. Are they are, like, Portugal's got a great one. Spain's got a great one. Again, Portugal's Iberian pretty excellence. good. Brazil is a really go- good one. But like France, Italy, fucking Germany, all the Scandinavian Russia, countries, Ukraine, all these ones, terrible flags. Come yeah, on. yeah. Although, um, I think it's actually Belarus because they they retained like a lot of like the Soviet influence. Mm-hmm. So like their state seal as well as their flag is like very Soviet looking. It's still very cool. Hmm. Yeah, I was l- watching a video recently where they were going into uh, and actually we shouldn't dwell on this, but how <laughs> like so many Russian city flags are way cooler than the Russian national flag. They all have like yeah, the bears Russian and national like flag sucks. There's there's one city that was like a, a, a known for like refining uranium. Yeah, and the city flag is just a bear fighting an atom, like pull, trying to That's pull apart an atom with its claws. What? Yeah, really cool. Yeah, I think the only reason Russia's flag is what it is right now is because during the the fall of the Soviet Union, when they lowered the Soviet flag, they just raised the flag of Russia before the Soviet Union. Yeah. And then they were just like, I guess we'll just go with this now. There it's you like, go. fuck, really fucking idiots. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, um, seriously, yeah. Yeah, they just went back to their old stupid shit. <laughs> um, anyway, like, so... Like, damn, the Soviet flag was so good. This, I mean, idiot. yeah, the Soviet flag was great. 
it was yeah, it it's ubiquitous. Hard, like people still, when you think of Russia, I feel like a lot of yeah. people still think of the Soviet flag. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, the red and gold. Um, <clears throat> so they find their way to this island in the middle of Lake Texcoco in 1325. <laughs> So the lake system uh, upon which this new city state is founded is is, is really unique. Um, so it's uh, I think it's a remnant of an inland sea, um, and there's a lot of mineral content in the ground, and so it's brackish. It's still pretty salty. It's not like as salty as the ocean, but it's too salty for freshwater fish and for things like axolotls and uh, yeah. uh, you know any like That's amphibians. Cool. So it's a very unique ecosystem with a very unique uh, sort of quality to it. The fish that it has are kind of unique. The whole thing's just really its own kind of vibe. Um, and Tenochtitlan is located on the southern portion of this island. Uh, and it's important to note, um, actually, that within a few decades, like in the 1340s, after the Mexica arrive here, uh, a splinter group of Mexica break away, and they go to the north part of the island, and they form their own city called Tlatelolco. Tlatelolco. <laughs> That's a hard one. Tlatelolco. Lolco. Tlatelolco. Tlatelolco. Oh, uh, yeah, it's hard, hey, dude. Hey, uh, listeners, try this at home. Tlatelolco. Say it with us now. Tlatelolco. <laughs> yeah, say it with us. <laughs> um, so, anyway. <laughs> so those two Filthy cities remain. <laughs> they remain intimately linked. Um, with Tenochtitlan obviously being the more prestigious of the two, it's where... Uh, the military might is, is centralized, and um, local local has its own uh, king, but um, Flatty, he doesn't stay yeah, relevant. Flatty. He doesn't stay relevant for long, and we're not even going to talk about him today. We'll talk about him in part three a little bit, um, and we'll actually get into a lot more specifics about politics in part three because that plays more of a role in the clash between uh, the Spanish and the Aztec. Today, I'm just trying to do broad strokes like cultural stuff. Um, so the two cities remain linked. Like I said, um, Tenochtitlan is like the religious center. They have the Sun Temple. They actually in Tenochtitlan there's like 200 temples, uh, and it's 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 insane. The city's like a lot more complex than people realize. Um, but Tlatelolco is the economic center of of this whole lake region. Uh, it's sort of centrally located. They can get to everywhere with their boats, and they have bridges eventually built to the mainland and to all these other islands. And it's it ends up being like a really amazing place. Um, so the two cities kind of rely on each other. Um, anyway, the Mexica really quickly established themselves as particularly awesome fighters, um, even yeah. compared to other Nahuatl-speaking people who are all known to be 
pretty tough, especially compared to the existing inhabitants of the region. I mean, really, they came down and just kind of moved in, and we're just like, yeah, we're we're the you know, look at me, I am the big boss now. I'm the captain now. Yeah. Um, and nobody really could put up a fight. Um, and so very quickly after the city is founded, um, Tenochtitlan allies itself to the nearby Tepanek city, um, which again is that other Nahuatl-speaking people um, of Azcapotzalco. <laughs> and they begin p- uh, paying tribute to its Tlatelani or king. You just did this uh, episode because you want to say all these things. I, dude, I love it. I love this. <laughs> I love everything about this whole subject. I like it's everything about it is great. I told you at the start. I think this language is so cool. The names are so cool. I can't say half of them, but it's the whole thing rules. Um, so they begin paying tribute to the leader of Azcapotzalco, a guy named Tezozomok. Uh, he's a powerful war leader, um, and he's uh, the the Tepanek are very quickly kind of filling the void that the Toltec left behind and starting to try to become the sort of hegemonic local power among all the Nahuatl-speaking city-states. Um, and so prior to this, and I'm sorry, so prior to this alliance that they make, um, and the marriage of a princess of Culhuacan, remember Culhuacan, who chased them away, um, yeah. into the Mexica royal line, the rulers of Tenochtitlan were not even really considered true kings or true Tlatoani by, by the neighboring Nahuatl city-states. They were these sort of newcomers who were kind of weak and lame. And everybody was looking over at the Tepanex like, you guys are going to be in charge. Um, but so these new moves that they make give the Mexica a sort of level of, of political legitimacy. Uh, so the Mexica would go on initially to loyally support Tezozomok, um, as he begins consolidating power in the southern lake region. Um, and this arrangement is actually going really well. He rewards them, and they're flourishing, and they're able to kind of build up their city, and they have the protection of this really powerful king. Um, and then all of a sudden he dies in 1426. Um, and so this is where I want to do another kind of little side note, because I keep mentioning dates, right? And you might be wondering, like, Europeans haven't arrived yet. How do we know all these exact dates if we don't have any, like... If, you know, whatever. How do we know when all this shit happened? Well, um, this is just one really cool thing about the Aztecs and, and Mesoamerican peoples in general. Yeah. Um, they're some of the best astronomers ever in history. Um, they are miles beyond the Europeans in many ways. Um, we still hadn't even quite figured out our calendar yet. And they have this incredibly accurate and really complex dual calendar system um, that they use to mark the passage of time. It's actually very similar to the Mayan system. Um, they're likely derived from similar origins or one from yeah, the yes. other. Um, the Mayan were kind of simultaneously um, flourishing in southern Mexico and Central America. Um, and there was sort of the, a small amount of, especially under the Toltec, who stretched much further south, um, there was a lot more exchange of information. So we don't really know, like, did... We the Aztecs get this from the Mayans? Did they sort of get this both from the Toltecs? Whatever. They both had very similar systems. Um, and so basically, the first calendar was their civil calendar. Um, and that consisted of a 365-day year, which is what we use. And that's pretty amazing that they had that figured out just from the stars and simple math. Um, and so that civil calendar is used to mark the basic passage of time. They have 18 different months uh, of 20 days each. And then the year ends with the surplus five days. And that five days is considered really unlucky. It's like a cursed period of time. And so people kind of just like stay in their house and don't do anything. And like, because it's just considered a really unlucky time. You come in before dark. That's when the spirits are out and people die of weird causes and shit like that. Um, 
which is just kind of a cool thing. It's like, how do they reconcile? Like, they didn't do leap years. It's like, how do they reconcile those five extra days? Oh, those are just bad luck. So you just don't, don't go yeah. outside. Those are fucked. Yeah, those are just the fucked days. Vibes <laughs> are fucked on those days, dude. Hey, listen, those last five? Yeah, those days are fucked. Um, the second calendar that they use, or the Tonal Poahuali, uh, was the ritual calendar, which consists of only 260 days. Um, and so that calendar is used to chart all the holidays and the rituals uh, that the Mexica and other Nahuatl-speaking peoples observed. Um, which, So you, if you think about it, the, the, the holidays and everything, their festivals, are constantly shifting throughout the civil year um, relative to the way that those two calendars kind of rotate around each other. And then every 52 years, the two calendars sync back up in what they call like a binding up of the years. And that's a big celebration and a big deal. And those 52-year yeah. cycles are the way that they define, uh, like, the eras or the, the sort of grander passage of time. Um, and they're all named, whatever. Um, yeah. But I digress because, like I said, Tezozomok is dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's how we know when he died because they yeah. kept track of that shit very accurately. Um, so suddenly, there's this huge power vacuum in the region. Um, the Tepanecs, as I said, had been on the rise. Um, uh, but now their ruler, Tezozomok, is dead. So there's a lot of names here. I'm just going to not say any of them. And I'm just going to kind of quickly give you an overview of the crisis or the war or whatever happens that leads to the Mexica kind of coming out on top. Yeah. Um, so they initially, they support Tezozomok's son. And they're happy to be loyal to him. The arrangement's working out for them. They're not making a play for power or anything. Um, but then his son, so Tezozomok's grandson, usurps the throne from his father. And he's pissed because nobody supported him because nobody liked him. And the, Me the Mexica and whatever, they thought his dad would be much more fair to them. So he's all upset. And so he's like, fuck it. I'm going to war with all of you. Anybody that didn't support my claim, I'm going to come and smash you. I'm going to show you how to support my dad. Fuck my dad. He's not even my real dad. His name's Robert. My mom met him online. Fuck you, Robert. I don't want your life. Um, so he, he decides he's going to go to war with everybody. And so this is when that triple alliance that I talked about at the start of the episode, this is when that happens. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to Tenochtitlan, he also goes to war with Tlacopan and Texcoco. Um, and then there's this other fourth city that's not as important and doesn't join the triple alliance, but it's called Huexotzinco. Uh, <laughs> I think that's how you say that. I don't know. Um, so long story short, uh, these four uh, ally themselves together, and they all go to war against the Tepanex. And would you believe it? They come out on top. Um, okay. <laughs> and so remember, I said the, the Mexica are tough as shit. They're like, I mean, they worship a god that skins people alive for no reason. Like, they're fucking crazy. They like well, to fight. It's not for no reason. It's because it's swag. That's you're you know what you are so right and I shouldn't have even made the mistake I made they do it because it rules but <laughs> yeah because it's fucking cool as shit because Shipe Totec says so and so they they and while they do it they listen to that song Goodbye Horses mm -hmm. you know just tuck it in you know <laughs> you fuck me was she a great you. big old fat person <laughs> um, was she like a great big old fat person. <laughs> But yeah, it's. I mean, they they do have big Buffalo Bill vibes, the Aztecs. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're also they're the best fighters in the region, and so you know when they ally with some other guys, like they come in hot and they they win this war. 
And they then are just like, all right, well, the Tepanex are toast. We're going to step in and fill that power vacuum, even though that's not what they were initially. They were, like, cool with working with the Tepanex. But then this idiot comes in and is like, no, I'm going to war with you. And they're like, all right, I guess we'll just take over. Um, And so that becomes that triple alliance that dominates for the next hundred or so years in in the whole region across central Mesoamerica around the Valley of Mexico. Um, And then, as I sort of mentioned, very quickly, uh, the Mexica of Tenochtitlan come to dominate that triple alliance. They are the strongest, and they basically make it clear that, like, look, like, you guys can be in our club, but, like, we're the boss. It's my club. They're the first among equals. They're like the Pope of Rome. Yeah. Um, And so this leads to whoever the Tlatuani of Tenochtitlan um, is basically becoming sort of de facto, quote-unquote, emperor over the whole region. There are independent kings, but he effectively exerts authority over them and and you know for all intents and purposes we'll call him the 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 emperor of the aztec empire yeah um i think this is actually a good spot to kind of veer off again and talk about warfare because it's really the central aspect of of aztec culture in pretty much every way um and so yeah also as i said i'm going to start calling them aztecs now because that that polity now sort of exists the the aztec alliance is a real thing um, but just know that when I say Aztecs, I am mainly referring to Tenochtitlan, the Mexica, the dominant political force of this entire thing. They're all Aztec, but the Aztecs Some are, are more Aztec. Aztec than others. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so as I said, their society is completely dominated by war. Um, every single Aztec child is expected to receive some form of a, of a quasi-standardized education from an early age, which is amazing to think about, right? Um, the organization involved in that, it's its very structured. Um, for girls, uh, because this is a patriarchal society, and um, basically most of that is them staying at home. They learn housework. They do learn, you know, basic, like, math and stuff for going to market and whatever. But, you know, it's a patriarchy, and they, they do all the lame shit that, you know, these societies always end up making their women do, like, weave and whatever. They don't get the opportunity to fight and... There's no cool stories of, like, warrior Aztec women. It might have happened, but it just it was never recorded. We have no knowledge of that. And, frankly, again, like a lot of these old patriarchal societies, we don't know a lot about their women in general. We know that Aztec women were treated relatively well. Uh, they were able to get divorces. Um, they were able to own property if they were unmarried, which, again, is, you know, kind of old school, but... Uh, very old school, but um, co- relatively speaking, compared to women across the globe, they actually had it relatively well. Um, but again, that doesn't mean they had it good. They just had it less bad than a lot of other ladies. Um, and that's sort of where the story ends. There's not a whole lot, um, at least in the research that I did for this, and if, if I discover that you know I was missing something really important, I'll make sure to add it, because I certainly don't want to count them out. But... Um, the written record in Aztec society is really dominated by men. So, sorry, ladies. We're going to focus a lot on that. Um, so, for boys, boys I guess so. Um, so, for, for, young, for, young, for young male children, um, people with penises, this meant mostly military training. Um, in addition to some form of apprenticeship, they would learn generally how to perform whatever trade their father did. So, if he was a stonemason, they would probably do that. Farming, they would probably do that. Textiles, fishing, whatever. Um, but they all learn how to fight. Sure. Um, so much like the ancient Greeks um, and a lot of other sort of agrarian uh, societies of this level of development, um, 
they don't really have a big standing army. One exists. Um, they have some forts and stuff that are garrisoned, like out in the countryside along their borders. Um, and then there's also this elite veteran corps of nobles, uh, the Jaguar Warriors and the Eagle Eagle Warriors, or you might hear them called the Eagle Knights and the Jaguar Knights, who wear like these crazy suits of armor made out of like feathers and jaguar skin. And um, those are generally guys who were born commoners, but just really distinguished themselves in war. Um, yeah. And they were allowed to sort of become professional soldiers. They moved into the city, they retired from whatever job they had, and they got, you know, a stipend from the state to just be professional psychos. fighters. Yeah, they were psychos. Um, <clears throat> the rest of the Aztec military is comprised of citizen soldiers, um, like hoplites or whatever you want to compare them to. Um, and so every citizen had to learn how to fight. They also didn't really have a concept of citizenry that I'm aware of. They just, mm-hmm. you know, members of the, the culture group or the tribe. Um, <clears throat> so at age 10, a boy's father would begin instructing him in basics, you know, wrestling and whatever. Um, and they would also start growing out a part of the hair at the back of their head, which they would never cut until they caught a captive in war. Um, so you could always tell someone who had never distinguished themselves in battle because they would have this long hair in the back. Um, <clears throat> And then at age 15, their education was handed over to public institutions. Uh, so commoners would be trained in what was called the House of Youth, or the Tilpochkali. Uh, here they would basically perform menial labor, like uh, wax on, wax off type shit. Yep. Um, and be trained, uh, as they got older, to fight with the classic Aztec weapons. So there's the obsidian, obsidian sword, which you've probably seen. It's like just a badass implement. Uh, it's called the Macahuitl. Um, yeah. It's like a big plank of wood with sawtooth chunks of obsidian stuck in the side of it. Um, sure. And you use it basically like a sword, and you swing it around and chop people. Their spears were like that too, big wooden spear with the obsidian around the edge. Um, they would learn to use a shield, uh, a bow, and then the my favorite, the atlatl, which is basically like a... You know those things that you sometimes see people use to like throw a tennis ball for their dog? It's like It looks like a big, long kind of scoop. And they can gr- throw oh, a like tennis a ball. Hi- a highlight stick or lacrosse? Sure. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Um, this is the same basic principle. It's like a long stick with sort of a groove in the end. And you fit these basically giant arrows, or people usually call them darts. But really, it's like somewhere between an arrow and a spear. And you fit it in there, and then you fucking launch it. <laughs> and uh, oh, they were really deadly and really accurate with these things. And they were just like, and they were good because they would maim rather than kill a lot of the time. Um, and we'll get to why that's important in a minute. Um, Was that human sacrifice? <laughs> yeah, it'll be, uh, yes, it'll be important for human sacrifice. Yes! Yes, dude, I <laughs> knew it again. I told you I knew all this shit already, dude. Fuck yes. You can't trick me, bro. I know all this stuff. Fuck yes, dude. I <laughs> am the Jaguar Knight. Um, I am Quetzalcoatl. So noble boys. Ooh. Are, I know. These these noble boys, uh, along the same age, so 10 and then 15, they go into the what's called the House of Lineage, or the Kalmakak. Um, and so there they get the same weapons training, except their weapons training is done by, like, the Jaguar Warriors. Like, they're getting trained by, like, the best Ooh. in the land. Um, and then they're also getting training in, like, mathematics, astronomy, religion, writing, um, all sorts of shit. And they don't all have to go fight. The nobles are technically, you know, they can find ways to be exempt. But you look like a little bitch if you don't go, and you might lose your noble status if you just become, like, a merchant or something. Um, they also have the opportunity to go in as, like, officers in the army. And they did have, like, a hierarchy. Officers. Yeah, like professional soldiers. Um, <clears throat> Basically West Point. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, no, it is. Or it's, the Naval Academy. Mm-hmm. It is exactly that. Um, and so at 15, all of these boys, um, as they're in school, whenever there was a war, they would also be expected to accompany their fathers or whoever else out on campaign. And they would basically act as like shield bearers or squires. They would carry their shit and uh, just be there to see what happened, see how it went. And as they got older, they would be encouraged to kind of dive in and start fighting. Um, And this is another important aspect. This is what I was talking about before, about why it's important to maim rather than kill. Because largely, um, Aztec Warfare was was not focused on um, killing the opponent. Uh, It was more important to capture them alive whenever you could. Now, obviously, like, when you're conquering a neighboring city, which they did, like, they waged wars of conquest, um, killing happened. Um, but it was considered much more prestigious to be able to capture your enemy and tie him up and bring him back with you. Um, and, yeah, they, like Evan said, they wanted these captives so that they could fucking kill him. <laughs> they wanted to just not Flame on the field God of battle. God his flesh. They would skin him. They would drown him. They would they would cut their hearts out. They would do all of it. They had a million different ways to kill captives. All um, than the last. And so it's like I said earlier, like, you know, I don't want to focus on that. I don't want, like, human sacrifice to be the main part of the show, but they, they, they were really good at that. It was a huge part of their culture. Um, it was just generally better not to sacrifice your own. Uh, there's one thing that I read about, and I don't know how true this is, but I want to share it because it's fucking wild. Um, and I actually read this in, I think, a historical fiction novel called Aztec, which apparently is pretty well researched, but I don't want to pretend that this is true. But at least according to the author of that book, there's a basis for this. And so, but again, heavy disclaimers here, because I don't, I don't know for certain, like, how legit this is, but it's badass, so I'm going to share it. So, apparently, one of the rituals to appease the rain god Tlaloc, right? If there had been a bad year and there wasn't enough rain to grow all the corn, because they need the corn because they grind it up and they make the food out of the corn, they would perform this ceremony, right? Yep. Where they would take a male child, like five year old or four year old, and a female child. Okay. And for a day or whatever, they would be taken and treated like royalty. They would have, like, the best day of their lives and feast with the nobles and the priests and whatever. And then the next morning, they would be woken up, and they would start, like, pinching them and pricking them to make them, like, cry and scared. And so they would start crying, and the crying is the important part. Yep. And then what they would do is they would take them over to two two big jugs of water. Yep. And they would put tar over their mouth and nose and then dunk them in and seal the lid. Huh. And that was it. Uh, so that they didn't drown in the water. They didn't want them to die. That's the reason they sealed their nose is because they didn't want the reason that they died to be from the water. They had to die crying in the water, but not from the water. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that way you could appease the rain god and get more rain for your crops. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's complex. So my point is just to say, th- this was very sophisticated. It was... um brutal and definitely you know uh by our standards very fucked up (laughs) but uh it was very complex it wasn't as simple as like take this guy hit him with a rock like no it was they had a very complex culture yep um and again i'm not even saying that like claims of the human sacrifice are exaggerated if anything we probably don't even know the full extent to which they did it like (laughs) they were fucking crazy um Oh, also, yeah, and I i don't know why I mentioned this so late, but you know how I said that there were patron city gods? Sure. So the patron god of Tenochtitlan was Huitzilopochtli, 
um, who's a war god and a corn god. And uh, he likes blood. So for him, that you would want to make blood flow. Um, and corn. Yeah. Well, he, he yeah, he needs the blood to make the corn. Yeah. He likes corn. He likes blood. <laughs> so give him the blood. Sounds I'll give you the corn. No problem with me, man. Yeah. I mean, sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah. Whom's um, the monks does. But yeah, they firmly believe that this was like the main way to influence the gods, whatever, just like kill people. Um, <clears throat> needless to say. Uh, so we talked about warfare, right, and how captives were important. And because yeah. of that, they also developed this whole system called flower warfare, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. So they were count- conquering all these city-states around them. And eventually they're reaching a point where they're like, okay, well, we can't just keep waging these like incredibly costly wars of conquest deeper and deeper because surrounding this basin – it gets pretty barren for a while until you get further south and you're in like Yucatan and then further north. There's not really cities like that anymore. Um, and so they're running out of places to go where they can get fresh captives. And so they start instituting this thing called flower war or flower warfare or wars of flowers. Um, and so basically flower warfare is where they would prearrange a ritualized conflict with a neighboring city, which was generally one of their subordinate cities, um, with the sole purpose of allowing both sides to get captives um they fought um but you were really heavily discouraged from killing each other because that's a waste and that's not why we're doing this um and they did this a lot towards the end of this hundred year period and obviously the aztecs always came out on top or like one they got more captives they had more strong men and a lot of the purpose of this in addition to getting captives for sacrifice was just to show everyone else like hey just so you know this is how many men we can put on the field this is how good our fucking shit is this is how great we are fighting don't forget like don't forget why we're in charge and it allowed like a sort of in between between training and real combat for their soldiers to stay fresh and ready for battle Uh um and so i mentioned before that there were ranks in the armies and these were largely determined by how many captives you had taken and how much heroic shit other people saw you doing and could attest to so like say you run back and like kill a couple guys or whatever and then take back captives and free them or you i don't know i don't know perform some really awesome shot with your atlatl and knock someone down from really far away any kind of heroic thing like that um if there are witnesses that counts towards your you know permanent record um and so eventually you could become there are all sorts of different ranks but i'm just talking about a couple of them you become like a captain or like a like a like a war chief or a war leader um eventually you could become a jaguar or an eagle warrior um which is a noble who gets to wear cool shit in battle or and these are the, the tops of the tops. If you're a real badass, you could become one of the Shorn Ones. Um, Shorn Ones had to capture way more captives than anyone else. I think it was like seven or eight. Um, and had to have performed dozens of feats of heroism um, in full view of others uh, before they could be lifted to this rank. Also, they had to forgo any option of becoming... Like, uh, they they were considered nobles, but they didn't get command. They didn't get to become captains or generals or anything uh, because they they refused all of that for the opportunity to fight on the front lines. They were kind of yeah. like berserkers. Um, and so they would shave their entire head, which is why they're called the Shorn Ones, except they would leave one long strip above their left ear. And they would paint their faces either blue and red or blue and yellow. And these were, like, the elite of the elite. Um, They would be sort of the emperor's, like, bodyguards and shock troops. And you didn't want to fucking go up against the Shorn One. They were the... They sound bad. Yeah, whatever the (laughs) equivalent is in some other culture, they were that. They were the fucking best of the best. And they'd fuck your shit up. 
Hoy ando relajado, me levantaré hasta tarde Mira, no están frescos mientras la ciudad es arde No voy a pentar piedras a todo el perro que ladre Pues soy buena persona, siempre lo dijo yeah. mi madre Porque me vale madre lo que digan Ya pasé malos ratos, ahora estoy tranquilo Viviéndome la vida, la familia no le falta la comida No le temo a los finales porque sé que la vida pronto termina huh? ¿A dónde vamos? No sé Tú no te sueltes, bebé Voy a grabarme otro tape a llevarte a Hawaii como lo imaginé Ahora estamos fly, no ando perdiendo el time Vamos a celebrar lo que hay Voy a llevarte a Hawaii en la orilla de la playa Prendemos un quince para celebrar lo que hay yeah. Siempre he puesto pa' lo mío Me tuve que enfocar Te lo digo con cariño Me suelta un guiño Es la reina del castillo Pa' ser mami de mi niño En un Mustang color rojo 6-9 todo prendido Voy con soto, fuma y fuma um, And so lastly You know, cause as I said We can kind of go on forever We're already at an hour um, I just yeah. kind of want to talk about The city of Tenochtitlan And like how it develops Over these hundred years We'll go more into politics In part three Um but uh, I just want to kind of illustrate, in addition to being great warriors and having all this crazy shit, there's some other really cool stuff. So they'd expanded across all of central Mexico. They're basically in charge of this entire region. And they'd become immensely rich due to their position right in the center of Lake Texcoco. Um, so they're masters of trade. There's a huge amount of commerce between all these cities. Um, the city has causeways and bridges connecting the mainland to basically every part of the city. Travel's really easy. Um, They've performed all these amazing architectural wonders. Like, when the Spaniards mm -hmm. arrived, they were literally blown away. They were like, there's fucking nothing like this in Europe. Yeah, um, the so city sad. itself was, was crisscrossed with canals. So yeah. they made connections to Venice, obviously. Um, but it was also completely surrounded at this point by, like, floating artificial islands and platforms that they yeah, built. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. And they're all connected really by remember. bridges. Um, and they would do, like, early forms of hydroponic and aquaponic agriculture so they would grow crops literally on the lake like on floating platforms yeah. which like who the fuck thinks of this um they also they farmed fish they had literal fish farms um and so the roots from these plants and these farmed fish i think are a large way that they kept the uh water clean also around this time so i mentioned that this was a brackish lake they built a dike across the entirety of like the southern third of the lake and managed to filter it out so that the entire bottom third, like where they lived, was all freshwater now. So mm. they surrounded themselves with potable water. They managed and they could irrigate their crops with that. Um, and then in the center of Tenochtitlan, so in the southern part of the island, there's all these massive palaces, uh, mansions, temple complexes built from stone, which was quarried partially on the island but then also like transported from the mainland on boats like they figured out how to transport like huge blocks of stone across the lake and um so imagine you're walking through the city and there's traders and artisans and people selling shit and there's priests doing weird rituals like there's hundreds of temples in this this city um yep. there's scribes writing shit down and astronomers looking at the stars um towards the end of of the aztec period like the palaces of of the tlatuani of, of tenochtitlan were fucking insane um, so we all know Moctezuma or Montezuma II, mm -hmm. the final king of the Aztecs. His temple or his palace He's supposedly the one who had gives you diarrhea. What was it? He's the one that gives you diarrhea. Yes, his revenge. Yes. Um, his palace had over three hundred rooms. Um, he had two zoos, 
One was just for birds of prey because he loved like hunting with hawks and shit. And the other is for everything else. He had jaguars and fucking any kind of animal from here to South America you can imagine. He had like a menagerie. Um, he had a botanical garden. He had an aquarium. Um, obviously, they didn't have glass, but he had like 10 huge saltwater ponds stocked with every kind of fish and aquatic animal and turtle and whatever from cool. around. So he had just like all this stuff. Apparently, he had a staff of over 300 people like just devoted to his animals. This is not like some fucking you know, rinky-dink little place. This is a fucking magnificent city uh, in the middle of a lake. Like, I, I can't even imagine it. Like, can you picture how fucking cool this shit is? Yes, I want to live there. <laughs> right? It sounds awesome. Um, so Tenochtitlan, uh, at this point, had become the largest city in the Americas. Um, and indeed, it's one, of the, it's one of the most impressive cities on planet Earth. Um, it's not the biggest in terms of land. It, it's only about five square miles, uh, or between eight and 13 kilometers, depending on where you read. Um, but it hosted a population of between like a quarter million and, and almost a half million people. Um, and only like in Europe, the only cities that could come close to that were like Paris and Naples. Um, maybe there were cities in Asia that were more advanced. Definitely there were, but you know, in the Western world and the new world, there was nothing fucking like it. Um, and so this is, this is a highly advanced metropolis on a global scale that is populated by, a vibrant and complex culture. And that's the image that I want to send you guys away with. This is, this is you know, we don't go into enough detail when we learn about this talking about how wild Tenochtitlan was and the world around it that the Aztecs built. It was, it was as civilized as anywhere else on planet Earth. Yeah. Very different, but it was, it was as civilized, whatever that means, as anywhere else on the planet. So we've gone on long enough. There's a lot more to talk about in this story. Um, and I could go on and on and on and on because this is one of my favorite subjects in the, in the world. Um, I've given you the timeline already, so we don't need to talk about that. But it's going to be a three-parter, and we'll get more into things. So if there's something I missed, you know, you'll know, you have our email in the show notes, whatever. Um, but for now, yeah, I just wanted you to realize how great the Aztecs were. And then next week we're going to talk about those dirty, flea-bitten... Hey, oh, hey, palo, that guy, man. We're talking about the Spanish, dude. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't so, think the Portuguese. Uh, you, you can't say shit. I can say shit. You can't say shit. No, they were they were dirty. They didn't bathe. They weren't as clean as the Portuguese. I will say. They thought you know when you're sick, close the windows. Like they 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 had a lot going on that was fucking backwards. They were they yeah. were pretty pretty gross. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's pretty much it. Uh, next time, so not next week. Next week we have a really cool episode planned with a guest. I don't know if you want to go into details on that. Probably not. We'll let that no. be a surprise. Um, so we have a, a cool guest episode next week, and then the week after that, we'll go to Spain and the Caribbean, and we'll start talking about Hernan Cortez and the Spanish and all the fucking awful conquistador shit that's going to start going on. And then in a couple more weeks after that, uh, we will see what happens when those dirty bastards meet these amazing bastards. And, uh, well, they don't speak Nahuatl in Mexico City anymore, so... <laughs> I think you probably know the outcome, but we'll get there yep. eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, actually, some people do still speak Nahuatl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's definitely still like a lot of people patches do, but, of. Um, so I shouldn't say that because this is not a dead language, but it it, it their it's moment not exactly vibrant. Right their now, moment you know? has passed. Yes. Um, yeah. Unfortunately. So anyway, yeah. Um, that's it for me. That's it for my end of things. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we were able to get it. Was that an hour and eight minutes? That ain't bad. Mm -hmm. cool uh yeah. is there anything you want to add 
Uh, just the same as usual. Please, uh, we spread by word of mouth, so please tell people about us. Rate re- and review us on your app of choice. Spotify allows rating now, so if you listen on Spotify, please rate us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Rate us on Apple. Um, you can review us there. Uh, I've recently switched to Overcast for, for listening to podcasts. I finally was done with Apple. I don't know if you can rate things there. I haven't seen a way to do that yet, but if you can, however you do it, please do that. Mm-hmm. Um... And, you know, uh, as usual, thank you for listening. Uh, My name is Evan. The host for today was Cameron. uh, Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yep. And uh, we uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. And like Cam said, we've got a big one next week. Uh, Very excited for that. It's going to be super fucked. (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah so uh you know just tune in that uh next time and thank you very much yeah all right cool thanks guys thanks for listening i hope you're excited about we've got so much cool shit planned and uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has been another installment of left on red have a wonderful week and we'll see you Santa Fe Sigue subiendo la venta La gente nunca es lo que aparenta La virgen me cuida La calle me respeta Moviendo efectivo Disparo como escopeta Neta Como los dueños de la banqueta Fumado, activado Con cualquier situación De lado a lado Mueve lo hip hop Revolución Batealo malo y pásalo Que andas con mi clica La que rifa puro vándalo Flo bandolero Moviendo dinero Soy el pelotero El cholo sonidero Tequila, hierba y ron Tengo tino y también mi bandón, bien pirata, y manchado para tumbarte el cantón. Soy callejero, el pelotero, el mero mero. Ganando lana, la marihuana me paga, pero esto es mi juego, vida de los bandoleros. Lo que tengo te chinga, este otra liga. Quieres cuantas libras para sentir las vibras. Estás volando con mis hijas todos los días. Dedo verde es la leche, comprende mi gente. I'm worldwide and you're provided along for the ride. I'm running game like a boss player. Yeah. Give a fuck about a naysayer, say a prayer I'm the shot caller, a baller, a street scholar Checking dollars and popping collars, the game is yeah. ours Gigante in an old school classic Carlo Monte. Find me a spot where bad bitches shake their body. I like that dark mocha and caramel latte. I'm hitting home runs, big poppin', money long, big whopping. Started my own enterprise, headed to the topic. You in the presence of a boss and can't nobody stop me. Big knot, big bank, big yacht, big rank. Toast to success and toast to the boogie. Bad bitches, bright lights, and a pound of hoodie.